0: What if I told you that I could not only make a quality fly, but I could use it to transform a life? And that's really what we're looking at. That's our goal is how many lives can we transform while doing the thing that we're passionate about? Like, man, if I, if I die with $5 in the bank, I don't care. I got to live a full life. I get to go fishing in cool places and meet great guides and tell a story. And I get to be part of that fly fishing community.
1: That was Jeff Coffey laying out his why behind his fly fishing vision. Fair trade, fair flies, and Jeff's favorite steelhead patterns today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Before we jump into it, you can head over to wetflyswing.com love, L-O-V-E, wetflyswing.com love, or go to the show notes, and there'll be a link there where you can leave a quick uh, rating and review. It'd be awesome. If you've been enjoying the show, leave us a five-star review. We would definitely appreciate that today. Rare Gear makes truly unique and innovative fishing gear to help you travel lighter, faster, and fish more. This telescoping fly rod doesn't need guides and packs up small enough to fit in the pocket of your backpack with the fly tied on. This is likely the most unique rod you've seen this year, so take a second and check it out for yourself. You can go to raregear.com right now and check out this rod. That's rare, R-E-Y-R, gear.com. Established in 1928, Deddy Flies is the oldest family-run fly shop in the country, now on their 94th season. Deddy's mission has always been to supply the fishing community with the finest products and services. Every fly they tie is either tied in-house or by a handful of select tires. Please head over to wetflyswing.com Deddy to grab your flies today. That's Deddy, D-E-T-T-E. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Deddy. Jeff Coffey from Flies is here to share the story of creating a company around fly brushes and fair trade. We find out what the 5D brush is really all about. Um, we find out a new, a few new products they have coming in the conventional fishing space, which is really cool. We dig into that today, and along with just where they're going with the next product, uh, I think uh, we get a little hint of something that's around the, uh, the Togen's uh, style of products they provide in that space. So we talk a little about that today. So without further ado, here is Jeff Coffey from Zag.Fish. How's it going, Jeff?
0: Good, Dave. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for putting the time together. I know you're a super busy uh, guy these days with everything you have going. Um, you know, we have a connection from a while back, and you got a, like the Fair Flies. You've got all sorts of stuff over the years you've done, which have kind of had a big impact on the industry. We're going to talk about a lot of that, brushes and things, but let's take it back before we get there and start with fly fishing because I don't know the story of how you first got into fly fishing.
0: Oh, man. It goes all the way back, actually, to the third grade for me. Caught my first striper on a Snoopy rod, and oh, wow. uh, it was on the Napa River down in the Bay Area. And it was a 36-incher. It took us, you know, over 45 minutes to, to get that thing to the canoe I was paddling around in. And uh, I just uh, instantly hooked. You know, we've got all sorts of puns in our industry, don't we? Oh, yeah. And uh, right away from there, I found fly fishing. I don't know. I was probably 14 years old. I started fly angling. By the time I was 26, I was guiding in Bend, Oregon. Oh, wow. Just always loved it. I've had the the opportunity to guide all across northern Saskatchewan, British Columbia, Alaska, and all over the northwest at this point. Just, I love it. There you go.
1: So you've been in the industry for, since, since day one, pretty close to that. And then... Tell us about the Fairflies. That was the first time I really, I think, kind of reconnected or connected with you on that. Talk about how the Fairflies thing came to be.
0: Yeah, about 2014, I was looking at starting a, a fly shop and had a fairly negative experience in looking to buy the flies for the shop and uh, started kind of diving in and, and realizing that maybe we could do things a little better. And, and really, I was at a point of trying to figure out You know, business is just business. We can make a dollar doing whatever we want. But what if we could do that and like make a really good change for something? And I really became passionate about what's going on in human trafficking around the world. And what I discovered was that one of the most difficult parts for trafficking survivors is getting jobs afterwards. So we instantly dove in and tried to figure out, how do we teach them how to tie flies? How can, can we pay double a living wage and start breaking some of these cycles around trafficking? And uh, that was our start. We started out in Kibera, Kenya, second largest slum in the world, and uh, definitely bit off more than we could chew. And uh, since that time, we're, we're now doing projects in, in Kenya, Nepal, India, and Tunisia.
1: Wow. And you're basically what are these? What are you teaching these people to do over there? What what are they? What's the product?
0: Yeah, we try to specialize. So so our team in India now does all of our composite brushes or our 5D brushes. They do a lot of our packaging. We're getting ready to to launch a new lure uh, company mm-hmm. under under Pivot and um, taking some of what we know about building good lures for fly tying and and bringing that back to the rest of the world. The conventional team. Mm-hmm. and uh, so we've got that going on there. Anything that we do with composites, uh, we're working on some carbon fiber fly boxes, for example, in Tunisia. And uh, in in Nepal, we do all of our apparel, all of our cut and sew is done with those teams. And we just, we try to specialize them, right, so that we can manage the supply chains. And so we look for a new product line that allows us to spin up and hire a new team of, of individuals that either have been or are at high risk of being exploited. Wow.
1: And it sounds like, yeah, there's multiple countries. So how do you choose, you know, how does that work with where you're going next? Because you could just stay in one country, right, and double down there. What's it been like and, and why why go all over the yeah, – I guess that's the big question is is how do you choose yeah. where you're going? Why all
0: over? Yeah, You know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, because of the places that we work, I mean, countries shut down, and I'm talking even pre-COVID. Uh, they can just shut everything down, and so if you have all of your eggs in one basket in a third world country, oh right, right, then then your whole business goes away. So and then it, it kind of comes down to relationships. I've I've had the benefit of looking at projects like this um, around the world and helping other businesses launch similar um, models, and so it's really finding the resources, the skills, the boots on the ground, because we when we set up a a producer for us a team we don't own them they do and so we're really looking for uh, good boots on the ground presence you know some Western influence there so that our quality stays really high and, and we have eyes on the product before it ships uh, we're looking for supply chains you know where where are some of those natural resources and then where are some of just the skills and expertise in these various teams like our Tunisia team the physicist a chemist, um that sold everything they owned and moved to Tunisia to go start a business to create jobs there for the poor. Wow. And so, you know, finding people that have kind of that that shared vision and value uh with us, it's a, it's kind of a tiny world. So, you know, we go, "Hey, what what do you have? What what kinds of machines can you get in there? What what kinds of products it, how easy is it to get this or that through customs?" And that's really kind of how we set up a project. Wow. That's
1: it. Okay, so you're So this is, this is cool. So you're all over the world, you're doing this amazing stuff. And when people buy some of your products, essentially, I mean, anything they buy, like you're not even having to give, I mean, it's all going to support these communities, these around the world.
0: Yep. Yeah. Our cut and sew factory is the only one that's gone through the certification process as world fair trade, uh, certified. It's, it's funny. There is no fair trade certification in the fishing industry yet. Oh, right. Uh, Huh. But, uh, yeah, so everything that we do, that the only reason we would do it is if we can create jobs for exploited or exploited, exploitable individuals. Wow. Amazing. Well, this
1: is obviously a, a whole episode here, just, you know, digging into this and maybe I always talk about this. Maybe we could get you on and, you know, we probably will and talk more about this. Um, I want to just touch on the brushes because I think a lot of people know about brushes. They've heard it's been a hot topic for a while now. But talk about those brushes. Like what is, for somebody that doesn't maybe know exactly what this is, what is the brush and yeah. why would somebody need a brush versus for, for fly tying? Ah, uh-huh.
0: well, it makes it really fast. <laughs> you know, as, as a guy who used to tie all of his own flies for the next day or even the next month, you know, we were, we were actually working for doing flies, some really complex flies for another company. And uh, it was taking, you know, our commercial tires. I, I don't know if everybody knows this, but a commercial tire, the industry standard is a fly every four minutes. Oh! Wow. So when you when you add that up, that's an Adams, an Elkhart, Caddis. Doesn't matter what size. You have to tie ten dozen a day to meet quota. And I don't know how many people have ever tied ten dozen flies in one day, but uh, try doing that every day.
1: Exactly. We just uh, a while back we had Nick Pianessa on. And he's a commercial tire. And we talked about that. I asked him how many flies you tie. And we kind of came down to it that, yeah, 10 dozen was a pretty, I don't think he was quite at that range. But I remember when I tied back in the day, uh, 10 dozen was a solid day. I mean, if I got that in, I was like kicking butt all day.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's, you got to be fairly focused. But man, these gals, they just get so fast and they're talking back and forth. And it's, yeah, just, it uh, becomes muscle memory. But these these complex flies were taken, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get all the different materials in. Right. And you got to remember, we're trying to teach people who have never seen a fly, who have never been fly fishing, how to proportion a fly. And we all know that that's one of the most key parts of, of a fly pattern, right? That they're proportioned the same. And uh, so what's, what's funny is they all, like, have a different eye. Some of them like it fuller with more material, and they think that looks better. And some think the sparse looks better. And so, struggling through that, I tried making a brush, and we had to come up with a completely different way of manufacturing the brush. They're all made by hand, by the way. There's no motors involved. there's no machinery involved. And so the idea is is that you can tie in the brush, go one time, maybe twice around, tie it off, and you've got 90 percent of your fly done. Hmm. So it took these complex flies that were taking us 15 to 20 minutes down to two and a half minutes to tie. And it was completely consistent every time. All right. Because we measure every fiber that goes into a brush to the thousandth of an ounce. Like we can really get scientific in our production cycles uh, about it has to be exactly 12 inches long within a quarter of an inch one way or the other or it fails. We Mm. we weigh it and it's got to be within, you know, a tenth of a gram. You know, like we're able to control those proportions and how it goes into the fly by saying one turn or two turns instead of this this bunch or that much it starts to become you know way more manageable so that's where it started and then um i was looking at it i held it up and i'm like okay we can do this we did our first production run with it and they went so fast everybody loved them yeah and we were able to give jobs to specifically uh individuals that didn't have the dexterity left in their hands but still needed a job and and they could make these brushes but they couldn't tie the flies. And so it allowed us to have a team of people that couldn't tie flies, still be making the brushes for those that were tying flies. And, um, you know, we just started, we were able to start developing teams around that. But I held it up and I'm like, as a tire, I'd rather decide my own hook size and shape, right? Rather or not I'm gonna use weight. All those decisions are made for you when you go to the bin and you buy a, a finished fly. But like, as a tire, like, I wanna make that decision based on where I'm going. So. Yeah. We took our first five patterns of brushes to iCast 2017, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And we won best of show. Oh wow. Formal. And uh, we were blown away. I mean, uh, apparently it was by a landslide the votes as, you know, we were kind of told kind of how it played out behind the scenes a little bit. And uh, you know, blown away. I thought somebody else had won um don't remember even who we were up against at that point huh. but uh that was that was that was pretty big you know yeah. i mean not too many small companies get that pretty piece of plastic and um yeah so that's, that's a little bit of the story of our of our brushes but the idea of being able to have a balanced fly and i could just one in and i get five materials in every turn done quick yeah
1: so when you tie these things, uh, I mean, obviously they're great for steelhead panel, a lot of different pattern. What sort of, you know, what would somebody use these for? I mean, is this kind of for like everything? Should, everything.
0: Everything. We've had customers send us pictures back from all over the world. Matter of fact, we have one of our brush patterns. It's called we call it the Mindbender because it's a bit of a mindbender when you look at it. That literally has caught every sport species of fish on the planet, like kingfish, shark, trout, bass, golden mossier in the Himalayas golden dorado and the amazon like this one this one pattern seems to get fish wherever it goes right and um so you know we went we went even further than just buying our materials to make the brushes we now have engineered every fiber we use so we've worked on up the line and and worked with engineers at 3m all of our mylars and acetates that's the plastic and reflective pieces that end up in our flies those are 90 percent recycled hmm We also changed the way that we dye and color those, Uh, working with with other companies, um, typically to dye your plastic bits that go into your lures. We use battery acid and water, and we heat that with a flame, which gets it hotter on the bottom, cooler on the top. If anybody's ever gotten a bad batch of dubbing that just seemed to turn to dust in their hands and and burn in, right? Like that's because it was on the bottom of that particular batch and it got too hot. And it's really fragile stuff. These are thin plastics. So um, we were able to get battery acid out of the process because that was just getting flushed down the drains, literally to our water treatment plants. Oh, wow. And then we would use toxic dyes on top of that to try like these really just really harsh uh, chemicals. Well, we reversed that. We are a completely natural EPA certified Zeros across the line uh, for both our dye and and our bath process. And um, I, if you ever come by the shop here, I'll show yeah. you how we heat the water. But it's a whole lot more consistent. We don't use flames, so there's no one hot spot in our process. We can manage time and temperature within a half a degree, and it, it just gave us a lot more flexibility to start to design even our own fibers. And then when we put those fibers in that brush, every fiber moves at a different rate. So, for example, if they all had the same flow rate, same thickness and shape and all that kind of stuff, you put it together and you sink that in the water, it's going to mad back and look lifeless, right? It'll look just just like like putting in some silicone behind a hook. You might as well. But what we've done is we've picked a different flow rate for every material. We might even use two materials the same color, but different thicknesses or different cuts, so that that those those fibers go in and out at a different rate, and they start to look like they're breathing.
1: Oh yeah, this is cool. So basically, yeah, I mean, this is this is huge. I mean, you guys are sounds like a state of the art stuff on the cutting edge here, which which is also amazing. I didn't realize. Um, well, let's think about, so on the, again, these brushes, it sounds like you have a bunch of different types of brushes. So if somebody, let's say they were streamer fishing, they were going for trout, brown trout, you know, yeah. and they were putting together a fly. So what would you say, you know, is there something off the shelf they can grab if they're going to tie up some streamers for, for browns? Man, if
0: if you're going for some, some big browns, we've got a spay cream and copper uh, that's just really good for browns and bulls. Uh, I really like that one a lot. We've got bleeding leech, uh, is a really good one. It's got some red fleck with some, some black craft fur, which again, another fiber, uh, we, we use our fly fur cause I actually went to a factory and had a custom designed fiber for flight time. I was going to ask you about that because
1: fly fur is definitely a keyword that pot is pretty, uh, highly searched, right? So is that your, is that something you guys developed?
0: That's ours. Yeah, that's ours. I, I went to a faux fur manufacturer and I said, I don't want to simulate something that already exists. I mean, for, for you know, 150 years, we've used natural things like bucktail because yeah. it's what we had, right? Like it was there. I could dye it. I could tie it into a fly. I could trick the fish with it. But starting to think back and go, hey, wait a minute. What if I could engineer exactly the fiber I want to do exactly what I want it to do when it gets wet? Right. And that was kind of this, uh, you know, just getting frustrated with the craft furs that are sold out there. You cut it. 50% of it is under fur or more. Right. right? Pull yep. out more than half of that. Yep. And I said, I, I want to design a fur. So I so literally went to a factory that it, like, let's say you wanted to make a line of faux wolf jackets or something, you know. And what is faux? What what is faux? Faux means just fake. Synthesized, faux, synthesized, not real. Yep. And and so if I, I would take a, a wolf pelt to this company and they would synthesize that that hair as best as I could, coloring yeah. and buoyancy gotcha. and all the other features to it. Right. Um, so we, I went to him, I said, listen, I, first off, I don't want this to be hundred percent virgin plastic, uh, nylon or, or whatever. So how far can we go with recycled product? And we got it to, to flow the way I wanted it to, and got all the way up to 40% recycled. The, the next thing was the length, right? Like yep. So often you are cutting these fibers and it's just too short. And then you're having to stack them up on the fly yeah. Whereas if I had a longer fiber, I could tie it in. I'd have a ton more movement. So they are a hundred millimeters or four inches long, the fibers hmm. it's, we had to re-engineer the nozzles that they, uh, that they shoot the stuff with, uh, to be able to get as fine as I wanted it. And then we've got this kind of this texture and crimp in it. So that again, as it flows in the water, it doesn't mad together. It flares out. We want that lifelike movement. And, um, and then we were able to reduce the underfur down to 25%, which was really cool. And, and kind of a, a really cool little accident is there's a few different things. And I've got a few videos and just talking about all the different ways you can use that fly fur now. But there's three different lengths of fibers when you take a cut. And so you just pull them apart, get the nice long ones to go in. You've got these medium grade uh, ones for doing shorter flies, or putting into dubbing loops. And then the fine stuff, the real underfur that's that's less than twenty percent of, of that cut, that makes great dubbing. Just oh, right. amazing. We save it in bags as, as we're working. If we're not using the underfur in a brush or a fly, we save it because it's I mean, doing collars, spinning that up in a loop,
1: so good. There you go. There you go. So, so you got the fly for and, and now and the brushes and you have some other products too, that we, I think we'll dig into a little bit as we go. Um, but I wanted to go back to the brushes really quick. So on these brushes you have, it sounds like you got all sorts of different colors and things like that. Everything's covered. How does it look like when you make the brush, describe that process. If somebody's making it, how are they, are they just wrapping? Maybe just describe it from your perspective.
0: Yeah. So we've got these special boards that we made, and, and I learned something. Like, if you look at a lot of the other brushes on the market, there's typically two, and they're a little bit heavy, wires down the middle of them, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. um, when, you, when you've when you got two wires, if you can imagine, you, you put material between two wires. As that wire forms around that material, it, there's a space that you just can't eliminate. And so when you cut those two wires, material starts pulling out at the end. It's just, it's just been part of the process. Well, we discovered that if we used... A much finer wire. As a matter of fact, there's only mach- one machine in the world that we found that could get the consistency we wanted in the wire. It's actually out of France. And um, we use five strands in it. So everything is just perfectly locked. It really holds it in, in kind of a three dimensional mm. form. You know, it's got instead of coming out flat and combed sideways, uh, it's full coverage, all 360 degrees but those five strands when you cut that they they almost kind of weld together at the end and they hold your materials so you can just tie in the tip of a brush come up a quarter of an inch cut it and you got a crazy charlie you're done hmm. you're just done you, you know rib it put it in tie in a little little nick of a of a brush and you'll get 24 crazy charlies out of a brush I and mean, it's just super easy to work with
1: With over 40 years of experience in coffee, the angler's coffee team roasts a full range of coffee with one goal in mind. Delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. Joe responsibly sources this coffee from farms using sustainable practices. You can rest easy knowing you're doing your part here. Roasted and shipped within 48 hours to assure freshness. 48 hours. That's craziness. Uh, definitely for me, I love, uh, love Angler's Coffee. I recently have been drinking a little mix. Uh, I got the, the three-pack, and, uh, and this is part of the Angler's uh, Artist Series. Very cool series um, from one of the guests we've had on this show, who is the artist there. And a dollar for each sale of this goes to Casting for Recovery. So you support Casting for Recovery, and you get an awesome bag of coffee. They got all sorts of stuff here, including a dry dropper on the go option. Joe's uh, digging in. Yeah, Joe is a workaholic and he loves what he does. So check him out right now. Angler's Coffee. Uh, you can check him out right now. At slash anglers. A-N-G-L-E-R-S. Let's do it. And so that's one of the questions there. So you have this brush which has all these different colors, these different. So, but if you want to mix it up a little bit, say you you have you know whatever a brown coloration, you can still mix that up. You can add hackle, do it right. This is just the basically yeah. you're, you're wrapping the body.
0: Yeah, you're just you get the majority of the work done. Usually we'll tie in a beard and a wing or a couple wings, maybe a tail. It doesn't take much though, because again, what we're looking for is profile, movement, reflection. Those are those are the key things, especially when we're talking about streamers. But we're you know tying up jigs. It's they're a great replacement for marabou jigs and, and that kind of stuff. Just you know some of the saltwater guys are really kind of catching on to it now. Yeah. and uh, it's a lot of fun to see how somebody uses your product. Like that's got to be the funnest part for me. Is like oh I had this idea and wow look at what they did with it. Look at what somebody exactly. else exactly. It's just really fun to see.
1: That is cool. I know what you're saying, though. We were talking to the, uh, the folks from uh, Lidrig, uh, and, uh, and he was saying that, you know, his this clipper thing, he was saying people are using it to put the magnet on the car to hold their rod up from falling down. And he like, right? he, you know, he hadn't even thought about that. I was like, Hey, that's actually not a bad idea. Cause that is, a, that is a struggle, right? Where do you put your rod? So it sounds like with these flies, these brushes, it's definitely streamers focused. There's all these bigger stuff. Maybe the trout flies, the smaller stuff, maybe it's not the exact, I mean, the brush maybe isn't the tool for a small little size 14, right? That sort of thing.
0: Well, no, certainly not for going down to a 14, I would say anything 10 size, 10 or larger, you know, we've, we're just just now releasing smaller brushes. It's something we've been working on for a while. Is having materials that flow right when they're really short, right? They start to get more rigid the shorter they are. Oh right, yep. It's long, they'll flow back, and uh, so we've been been working to perfect that. And we've we've got I don't know. We'll probably be releasing by the end of March uh, new lines of of those brushes, as well as making the brushes just with the flyfer and kind of pre blending some colors, some good you know standards. Because again, when you tie it in that way, it, it's. I mean, we've all tied marabou. Yeah. We either love it or hate it. You yeah. get a, a big, full one ounce bag, and there's 10 usable feathers in there for some things that you want to do. Yeah. So this just gives it brings that flow that we're looking for, that movement in the water uh, without dye that bleeds like Maribou does. You know, tie a bunch of black woolly buggers and you look at your fingers afterwards. Right. Um, you know, we've eliminated all of that with it. And,
1: yeah. So that black on your fingers is the dye, literally is the
0: kind of toxic dye. It is. That's exactly what it is. And not only that, but we, yeah, when we start talking natural products, everybody thinks, oh, it's clean. It's we got to bleach that stuff before we then do all the other processes to it. Wow. So So there's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot to think about. And it's it's been really fun. So we started out thinking of ourselves as just a fly company. And then quickly, as we started going down this path, like we're talking, is, is we started innovating these things, just looking like there's a saturated fly market. Some of the companies in that industry are so big. A yeah. little company like ours with some big ideas doesn't really have a lot of a chance to compete. Yeah. But when we started innovating, that started turning the tide for us, is, is looking at, you know, what can we do? Uh, what can we do better? And starting looking at every piece of it, saying, can we make it more environmentally friendly? For two reasons. One is we really care about the environment. You know, we would like the fish to still be around for a while. Two is, you know, I'm we're we're hiring people with compromised immune systems and everything else. I, I don't want them having to handle this toxic stuff all day, day no. in and day out. So how can we how can we improve on that? And then how can we make the product actually better for what it is we want it to do? So we started out with materials, then we did brushes. And uh, we're three years ago. Uh, we took over uh, Wasatch Tools, having a ton of fun with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an unexpected shift. But now we're innovating in tools and how they're manufactured. And fifty-year-old company known as as the top, this is the best tools in the industry. That that beautiful wood and gold. Um, and it and it's taken me in a different path, right? Like all of a sudden, I've had to become a machinist. Oh right, and uh, you know, learn how to apply my ideas, and then we had to learn CAD and all this other stuff, and it's it's been it's been a ton of fun. Like I get intimately involved the things that we that I took for granted as a guide or an angler. Man i i get to I get to like design that stuff now.
1: You're the nerdy uh, scientist. You love the nerdy scientist stuff.
0: No question. I'm a total geek, and I won't even apologize for it. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. So, so Wasatch, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's a, that's a huge name. What, what were, somebody that doesn't maybe know what they have, what were some of the products before you guys picked them up that were,
0: you know? Well, there's, there's 54 different fly tying tools from whip wow. finishers, bobbin holders. They've been innovating in the tool side for a long time. We're the, I'm the fourth owner of, of Wasatch. And um, so, you know, because of what we do and how we do it, we're able to more broadly distribute the tools now. So tools that were always just sold at trade shows and, and direct to consumer, we're now able to do through distributor agreement. So you're going to start seeing Wasatch popping up in a lot more places. But we're the only lifetime guaranteed tool out there.
1: Oh, Roy. Really? Yep. So you pick up, uh, yeah, whatever, no problem. You have an issue with it, just send back and free replacement.
0: Give us a call and we'll send you another one. I mean, we, we're not real uptight about it.
1: Nice. Okay, so you have that all of that going, and I think do they have vices? Is that was that also one of those tools?
0: Uh, that uh, uh, quick sneak peek. There's one coming out. We've got our final patent application uh, to be submitted over the next couple of weeks here, and uh, yes, we've we've taken a different swing. There you go. Uh, at a vice that I don't think that anybody's seen anything like it yet.
1: I'm curious because I have just talked to somebody else at the show and actually my, Tyler a good buddy of mine yeah. uh, was picking up yeah, in the market. At norvice Yeah. Uh, well no, he he didn't pick up a norvice but he well, I did I did talk to the norvice guys there as well yeah just briefly yeah. Uh, Tim and Love. the crew but um no we were chatting with Tyler he was saying you know he needed advice so he picked up something I think it was more of it was like a rotary it was a rotary but I can't remember I think the price point might have been like hundred bucks or something like that. I'm just curious. What is okay. the, when you think of price points, cause you got, you know, you got under a hundred, you got a hundred to whatever, right? What, what's, what are you looking at?
0: Well, higher. <laughs> we're, you know, Wasatch is, is a top shelf brand and will continue to be not just for price point, but for quality. So we're doing things like gold plated brass, uh, so that it doesn't tarnish. We, we, we gold plate to six microns, um, with 24 karat gold on, on everything we do. Um, we go through a very special process of stabilizing our woods so that they never move and they're stronger than aluminum. So this is going to be a gold and brass vice. The the high end, the beautiful, typical wasatch is going to go for around seven fifty. Mm-hmm. So kind of middle market, certainly not as as expensive as some. And yep. and uh, and then we're going to do an aluminum, an anodized aluminum version of that. It's a little bit more entry, and I think that's coming around two twenty five, two fifty. dollars gotcha. So a little bit more. You know, same form, same form and function, same warranty, just not that beautiful wood and gold and gold. Um, yeah, it just gets expensive.
1: Yeah, gold. Yeah, you're ta- you're talking about gold and gold. The cool thing about gold is, is it's uh, it's strong, right? Right. Is that one of the key factors with
0: gold, or is this- uh the, the main thing is is that it doesn't tarnish, right? Oh, so your your brass, yeah. you know, and especially if we knurl or we put that kind of diamond uh, pattern on it, so that it's easy to grip. Um, that that grab stuff right, and then you get this green slime off of your brass. Well, we, just the gold plating uh, eliminates that. So,
1: so, and I want to just take it back just briefly back to the brushes because I had one more questions before we kind of move yeah. forward here. Uh, so, when you did the brushes, and I don't know the history, were there other brushes? Was that something that was out yeah. there at the time, or is that is this sure. a new idea?
0: No, no, the brushes existed. I just they just didn't quite exist right. You know, they are typically just one material. Um, they they appear. I've, I've never been in their their factory, but they appear machine made. They right. they come out flat. The materials are stiffer than I want, and they only use the two wires. Like I was saying, and it, it just created these problems. I just wasn't totally satisfied. I loved the concept of it, but it just really needed to go that that next level. And so, you know, I was watching guys like Jerry French and and others doing these beautiful you know composite loops. And uh, I'm like, man, right. I can do that with the brush. I can do that. And so we're the first brush to be able to integrate uh, silicone legs in the brush. Oh, right. Because they're handmade. We're able to lay those in by hand.
1: Oh, yeah. Right, which is huge. Yeah, silicone having, making it uh, the wiggly, the wiggly wiggler, right? All that stuff.
0: Yeah, just one more layer of movement. Yeah. One more, you know, that's that's what we're looking for.
1: Right on. That's cool. So, okay. So, and you got, you have a lot going on there. Obviously you mentioned the pickup of, of Wasatch and all that. What, what else you want to give a highlight here? You got the, uh, the Zoe, yes. Zoe Angling group. Give us a, give us a little rundown, whatever you want to chat about. I want to hear an update.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we started out, I mean, my passion, uh, hadn't picked up a spinning rod for 25 years. Um, uh, my passion is, is fly. And, uh, yet fly markets, a, a small piece of the market and, while I love fly fishing, my goal is to create 10,000 jobs before I'm done.
1: All right. That's
0: and cool. specifically 10,000 jobs for exploited individuals are exploitable. And I, so to do that, we had to broaden it out. and So we started thinking like, man, the stuff that we've got, that these brushes, if the conventional guys found out about it and learned how to use them, what a market we would have. And, and then we could create more jobs, right? Yeah. So um, we're, we, we kind of backed it up zoe angling group is now our our corporate name uh zoe is the greek word for a full life and and that's what we're trying to restore uh with these individuals that that we serve in the production teams and so um we just kind of now we're we've got all of our fly products we have the five feet brushes and wasatch tools and and uh, the fly fur we're going back we're, we're doing a a bullet head style tube fly that's going to have our materials featured on it. So we're going to, we're going to start selling tube flies.
1: Oh, wow. Tube flies um, is complete. Like you just buy a tube fly. It's ready to go.
0: Complete. It's, it's complete, but you can buy them at different weights and it's got a, um, an molded head so that when you come back it, with the weight is, is a high density polyethylene plastic. That's again, recycled. And, uh, if you ever nick your rod with it, you're less likely to break your rod. Versus a pair of dumbbells that hits your rod. And we all know what that looks like. Yep. But uh, so, you know, playing around with, you know, ideas that have been around, but maybe just haven't taken that next step, that next evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, And then try and take those to market. So under Zoe Anglia Group, we have Fairflies. We have Pivot. We have Wasatch Tools. Pivot is our new conventional mm-hmm. brand. We're launching things. Um, we're doing a, a jig with a trailer hook. So you know, taking what we know from streamers and applying it to jigs, all right. Uh, for example, and um, there's some special things in there. Again, we've eliminated lead, uh, and then we overmold uh, our bismuth head with an injectable plastic, recycled plastic. So you know, again, just that environmental like, what right. can, can we get rid of this nasty stuff? What, yeah. What can we do? Huh. And then we've got you know, like I said, Wasatch Tools, and and uh, we're signing. Uh, we're taking over stealth hooks as well. Uh huh. And, um, we just, I I don't know if you've ever looked at what stealth is and is done around the hooks. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think that, uh, it's, it's, uh, underappreciated yet. Uh, what is there and what, where we can go from there. Uh, we can, we can get those hooks any color you can paint a car. And uh, so playing with that will be our next big push there. And then one, one last thing is, is uh, we're getting ready to launch a a brand of tackle boxes. That's a foam and carbon fiber composite box that we're calling Hull. And uh, so that should be, that should be launching out here pretty quick. I'm pretty excited about that one. How do you spell that? H-A-U-L. Oh, H-A-U-L. Yeah. And
1: and so, when you uh, bring these companies on, how does that look with the people that are involved? Or do they just become part of you know working side by side with you? Or how's that that look? Uh,
0: no. So, for example, in Stealth's case, um, the, the the founders had moved on. Were, we're ready to move on and said, "Hey, Jeff, we love what you do and how you do it. Uh, would you Would you take the company from here and? And run it. So, wow, uh, We're acquiring Amazing. we're acquiring the company from them, and and putting that into our lineup of of products that we're working on and looking to in, innovate in.
1: Yeah, there you go, there you go. So basically, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, more more power behind what you're doing. And and so on that question, on that, that thought, how big? You know, you, you've got conventional. I mean, do you keep going into say just the outdoor market, and now we're going to see you producing you know tents and boats eventually, or you know, how big do you go?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I don't know the answer to that yet.
1: Because I love boats, I did a whole mini series I on too. boats. I would love to see I you with too. a uh, you know your new uh, drift boat or your skiff out there. That would be pretty amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, if we ever did, it it would be wood. Oh, It would be wood. I think I think it would have to be. But you know, right now it's it's just focused. Uh, we're really focusing on consumables as much as possible. I know tools aren't aren't really a consumable. But uh, places, you know, if I had a team come online, I've, I've got a woodworking team um, in Romania that we've been talking to. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, there's another, and we say around the world, but, but, you know, America's got its challenges as well. We're partnering up with a group down in Birmingham, and they create employment for young men coming out of prison.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Uh, through teaching them the trades and the crafts. And so, uh, you know, we're going to have them do things like tying boards for our new vice to mount to, we've got some kind of high tech things that we want to add into those boards. And so we're teaming up with them to manufacture those for us.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. I just heard a stat there that somebody was saying that, um, it's like 85% of people that get out of prison you know, end up going back. And part That's of it right. is part of the struggle is, like you said, I mean, it's literally you've got a prison record who's going to hire you, but you're literally hiring, giving people like that a job.
0: That's right. That's right. That's, I really believe, you know, that we've got a chance through how we build our companies, how we, how we function, even as consumers, our dollars, are votes, and how can we through the things that I want or need, how can I still be improving my community or, or another community uh, by the choice that I make? And um, I think, I think we've seen that we've seen that kind of in the coffee industry, really kind of open people's eyes to that. And we saw Tom's shoes and saying, Hey, you buy this product and you're changing somebody's life. But, you know, it's the same thing, by the way, um, you know, we, we really focus heavily on those that are survivors of sex trafficking specifically, and some really hard, difficult topics in there. We've been drinking from the fire hydrant since the day we started. But uh, the idea that without a job, especially, say, in a shame-based culture, right? Yeah. You can't survive. So the last number I was given was 92% of women that get rescued and get into a safe home end up back in the red light district. Wow. And unless, unless they get a job. And um, we've been part of uh, seeing 200 women so far uh, brought out of that trade, uh, brought out of those conditions. uh, And we've had only one out of all that time uh, that was was lured back. And um, we'll, we'll take that ratio. It's a good trade. We had an
1: uh, episode two twenty six, Bucky. You probably know Bucky Buckstabber. Oh yeah, Bucky, with, and I are good friends. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest names, besides Jeff Coffee, which I also love. We're going to have a, a little segment <laughs> at the end of this. Uh, Bucky Buckstabber is a great name, but the uh, <laughs> it the, really is. the fly fishing collaborative was episode two twenty six, and he's doing a lot uh, of the sex trafficking stuff. So that was pretty cool. Right.
0: But, I've sat on I sat on Bucky's board for about four years. Oh, we nice. started at the same time. Oh wow! Uh, both of us looking at different models to solve similar challenges through our passion right Amazing. like we're in line he chose he chose not-for-profit model i chose the for-profit model and we've worked side by side um kind of synergistically like that over the years that's great so we yeah. do a lot of distribution for the F- fcci oh cool. or not, sorry the um fly fishing Collaborative ffc um products that that we do and and i've helped in some uh some of that movement so it's been great
1: togen's fly shop provide superior quality products at a very affordable price. Great resource for tools, uh, flight tying materials, fishing accessories, and more. Togans has you covered with about anything you need getting into it. They've got a great YouTube channel they got going here. We've got some stuff coming up with Togans. We're going to be uh, helping to support them through uh, that channel and some of their tires so if you get a chance would love if you could check out tokens you can go to youtube right now and uh, i think that's uh, just Togens search it up you'll find them there subscribe to their channel uh, maybe leave a comment and see what they have going if you're interested in fly tying if you're new to it uh, or if you've been doing it a while definitely a good chance to see their little ambassador uh, team which is pretty amazing uh, I am definitely head over there right now. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go check out the site. Uh, I wish I could do it as we speak, but I'm going to let you get to the show first, um, and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So uh, since 2005, Togans has been over-delivering on price and customer service. It's time to check out the buzz for yourself. WetflySwing.com slash Togans right now. T-O-G-E-N-S. You support this podcast by clicking through Togans online. Okay, back to the show as you talk here, obviously you've got all the products, but you have a huge thing going here. You've got this mission of 10,000 people, you know, and, yep. and, I mean, it sounds pretty daunting, right? The, the, and how do you, so, so at that goal, you know, how long is that going to take you to get like, where are you at now and how long, what's it going to take? How can we, you know, how can we help you get to that 10,000 goal? Yeah. You know,
0: and, and, and it may not be that all 10,000 necessarily work just with or for us. Like, you know, uh, I get calls from other companies that say, I hear what you're doing and how you're doing it. How do I do it? Would you help me? You know, and I, I like to say that we're building a model here more than a product, right? We, we want to, yeah, absolutely. I do some consulting on the side with organizations and say, hey, how can you be more intentional with your supply chain? And um, what would that cost? And what does that look like? And and what's the upsides of that? Like, What if I had to increase my product cost by 10% but it would make a life difference for everyone that worked for me. Yeah. Right. Simple. Is that roughly, if
1: you just had to say, is, is it yeah. going to cost you 10% more?
0: Well, you know, so my understanding in a lot of the shops and this, I'm not going to speak for everybody on this, but a lot of the ones we interviewed, the average tire was making two to $3 a day. Um, we pay 15. Oh, wow. Uh, living wage. in most of these places is seven fifty a day. That, that means you can have an apartment with a door that locks clean water and your kids can go to school. And it's it's a pretty basic living, but it's, you know, sustainable. Right. So we kind of came at this as and said, hey, if we're going to break cycles, we have to pay double a living wage. Can we do it? And so we really focus in on products where we've got enough margin that we're able to do those kinds of things. And, you know, none of us here. Man, I, I love my job. It's like better than working for Disneyland. Yeah. Right. Like oh, yeah. I get to play with coming up with a better way to make a fly box or a better way to make a vice and, and actually do it and then take it to market and see other people like it and use it and, and whatnot, man, I can't imagine anything more fun. Right. But yeah. to know that we're doing that and doing that, we're, we're changing hopefully thousands of lives. So I don't know the, how to answer the question on when or, or yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm yeah. always open to the call that says, Hey, we really love your model. How do we do that here? I mean, I'll jump on the next plane. You buy my ticket, and and I'm there helping. There you go. Because that's that's what it's going to take, right? It's going to take an ecosystem. It's it's not going to be one person with one idea. It's got to be an idea that's reproducible. Yeah. And and that's what really yeah. what we're trying to build here. Love that.
1: I love that. So basically, you are, yeah, you're creating something that you know will hopefully last for longer. You know, past you, right? Not only the company, way you're, past you're, me, you're way past you, but the whole idea, the whole concept. And as you look at this concept. I mean, when you think of brands or people or mentors, I mean, are there people you look at as doing similar things maybe not even in the fly fishing space, but doing similar things where you say, oh yeah, this is, they're doing a great thing as well.
0: Yeah. One of my, one of my early exposures was to a, an organization um, called the Freedom Business Alliance. And there's about a hundred companies out there that are specifically built to create employment for survivors of sex trafficking. And so I just started looking at, at their models and, you know, it's a struggle. <laughs> you you yeah. get in, you, there's things you never thought of that you have to teach and work with when you, when you get into those environments and, right. and work with people who've been traumatized since they were five years old. Jeez. And, um, so yeah, there's just rough, there's, there's rough stuff. I mean, like stuff I can't even, I, I don't talk about cause I don't want to pass the trauma on. Right. No, I know. And, I know. Um, so, uh, I lost my train of yeah, thought yeah. in the middle of well, that. No, it's, gonna... <laughs> it's a little intense. I, it was, uh, well, but
1: that's what I was thinking, Jeff. I mean, I think when you, the stuff we're talking about here is super deep. I mean, that's same way with Bucky when Bucky came on. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even go into it all, but you know, like the stuff is crazy. I mean, even like out wherever you are in the U.S. I mean, sex trafficking—it's right. like literally in your back. It's—it's it's happening, you know. In Portland yeah. right now, Portland is there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. People, you know, like the violence and. Uh, You know, I don't know we're in this world, right? Where it's a, it's a crazy world and we're just trying to, you're trying to do just a little thing to make some lives better, right? I mean, this is powerful.
0: That's it. If it's the work that I do and it's transformational, um, Dave Klausmeier of Flight Tire Magazine did it, did this wonderful article about us and I, I still hold it up and I, I, you know, I read it sometimes and go to tears and it's, it's, it's our story. But, but the way that Dave wrote it was, you know, what if I told you, uh, that I could not only make a, a quality fly, but I could, I could use it to transform a life.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and that's really what we're, we're looking at. That's, that's our goal is, is how many lives can we transform while doing the thing that we're passionate about? Like, man, if I, if I die with $5 in the bank, I don't care. Yep. I got to live a full life. I get to go fishing in cool places and meet great guides and tell stories. And design products that people get to use and and i get to be part of that fly fishing community and and that's really the real honor is is to be part of this community because i i think it's one of the neatest communities in the world exactly passionate caring engaged all of that exactly
1: How do you tell that story with what you have going? You know, you have these products, which sound like they're pretty amazing, but you also have this other backstory. Do you find yourself telling the the story of the products first and then it's like, oh, by the way, we're doing this? Or do you come up with like, hey, we're changing the world? Like, how do you do that? How do you talk about that?
0: That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that we've solved the answer on that, except for this. I'll tell you this, you know, what we've learned, you know, the average angler gets two days a year to go fishing. Oh, wow. Right. I mean, that's that uh, we we think about that and it brings a tear to our eyes. Like only two days this year. I I don't know how I'd survive. Um, But avid anglers, it's a a different game. Yeah. But if you've really only got two days or you've paid a thousand dollars to hire a guide for that day or whatever, all you really care about on the front end and just being honest is, is it going to catch me more fish? Right. Right. Yeah. And so we couldn't we couldn't come out with a product that's just okay, you know, uh, yep. a typical Kenyan or Chinese fly, but you know, we've got a better story. No, that, that doesn't sustain. That doesn't like you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna come back to that. Yeah. And what we want is, is people who are loyal. And so we, we really are pushing, um, you know, every product that we put out, it really has to be better than anything else that's out there, you know, by a significant difference. Or there's just no point in us doing it. It won't sustain itself. Mm. I'm not d- looking to do any more, you know, me twos. I don't buy a bunch of stuff in China, send it to Nepal so I can create jobs as somebody putting a brand on it and then sh- and selling it. Mm. If we don't make it, you know, from the ground up, we don't make it. Yeah, that's it. So, oh. um, you know, we started out with story forward in our in our e-com and web presence and that kind of stuff as we started, but quickly learned that really we needed to be product forward yep. And the reason. That you'll come back first is because it was the best thing you ever used, and hopefully, when you learn the story and what we're doing, that that we might earn a little of your loyalty uh, for that. That's a purpose of it. But first, we really care about the product.
1: Yeah, we really no. care
0: that that what we put out is top notch.
1: That's the great that's the perfect answer, yeah, because people definitely obviously the, the product's gotta be amazing, otherwise, you know, people aren't gonna stick around but they but they're coming for it's almost like I think of the podcast, I always bring it back to the podcast, but you know, they they come for the topic. You know, like they, yep. they, they see a topic, a headline, like, oh yeah, I want to learn about that. But they kind of tend this like literally state of the host. That's kind of weird to say, but you know, I mean, people find a voice, they like a person, some thing that resonates with them and they stick around for that. You know, that's the cool thing. They like that person or that thing. And, and your thing is powerful because you're changing, you know, you're trying to change the world. So why wouldn't somebody, if they had to choose between this or something else, go with the one that changes the world?
0: Well yeah, and, and really though, I, I really think that the, the product itself needs to stand on its own. Yeah. Otherwise there's no point in doing it. Yeah. You know? That's and right. and so we've got some stuff we've been working on. This this vice has been five years. Oh wow. And I'm not satisfied with it until it does every single thing I want. Totally toolless, perfect access, total balance, all that kind of stuff.
1: I always think of like the minimum viable product, right? Get that product out. Maybe it doesn't work with physical products as much, but you get that thing out there just so people so you don't wait uh you know 10 20 years to get the product out. You get it out, you launch it, people give you feedback, you make it better. You're not in that line as much.
0: No, I'm not.
1: Do you want to perfect this thing?
0: I used to build software companies. So before I did this, this I was in software. So the MVP was the yep. you know, was the the goal every time it. like the first thing that's going to serve at least that first need or whatever. But but on the product side of this, there's, it's, you know, first impressions. Right. When somebody picks that up, if it's not the coolest thing they ever saw, your entire brand isn't the coolest thing they yeah. ever picked up. Right. Right. And and we've got a lot more noise in our industry than we did even 10 years ago, right? There's a lot of people that have jumped in and they're trying to, to take the swing at it. Yeah. And... You know, you go to sponsor something, you end up in the logo soup. It didn't used to be like that. There was three or four people that would sponsor, and yeah. But it's it's grown, and, it, and it's really cool. It's really exciting to see the innovation and the ideas and the things that 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 people are trying to do and are doing. And um, yeah, it's just an honor to get to be alongside of that. That's amazing. Yeah, cool. So I had a couple of things, and we'll
1: start to take it out of here. Um, one thing, you know, I'm just thinking about th- what we've been talking about today. I mean, fair trade is, is a word that's been thrown out there. We even mentioned it here, right? Yeah. I mean, describe yeah. that really quick. What what is like somebody that doesn't even fair trade? What does that even mean? What you know to you?
0: Well, you know, it's fair trade is kind of one of those interesting things. It's it's like saying biodegradable. Right. What does that really mean? <laughs> yeah. You start diving into it, you're like. Or uh, organic, or organic, right? Or organic, like well, everything we eat is organic. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And but you know, the concepts, the concepts behind them are noble and 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 need to be continued to be fleshed out. So fair trade typically it, it started out really the coffee industry was was the big push, right? One of the oh, right. second largest consumer product next to oil, I think. Yeah, that's right. It's you know, it's it's big. Here's an interesting thing, and, and this is just in, in my research on it, and I always encourage people, hey, go go read on this stuff and, and look into it for yourself so to you really understand what it means when we put a, a symbol on something. But, you know, fair trade went as far as saying it's about the landowner, right? You, where do you start and where do you stop in, in a complex thing? So landowners weren't getting fair pay for a product that was coming off that oh, land. Right. But what it didn't address was how much the employees that harvested that product were getting paid. Oh, Yep. isn't that interesting?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: since then, world fair trade, I, I know, has taken a lot of steps forward. It was, it was a very deep process for our partners in in uh, Kathmandu um, to go through, and and it wasn't cheap. But it, but it's this idea of we are who we say we are, and we're willing to have that third party validation that says who we serve, how we do it, how we treat them, and so fair trade is really about those good employment practices, how we treat people. Oh, right. Exactly.
1: That's the amazing thing. And I was just going to ask you, I've never asked anybody this before, Jeff, but you know, if you had to create the title, the headline for this episode, you know, oh, in, in, in a couple words, right. This is always the challenge because the podcast we've been all over the place. We've covered everything. Sure. What would you say if you had to give it, give us two words for this today? Is that even doable? Two words.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put the two words in a sentence and let you fill down what you want. I think, um, the science of innovation and transformation,
1: the science of innovation. And you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of fair trade, you know, literally fair trade and then add on fair trade with Jeff coffee, add on whatever else, you know what I mean? But essentially it's all that, right? It's, it's fair trade is, you just said it yourself. It's, it's. Working with people, giving them a better, well, essentially, I'm not sure how you phrase that, but right, kind of uh, not just the landowners, but the people.
0: That's right. It's, listen, we're, our entire community, our world is based on people working with people, not machines, not computers. And we, we boil it down, but really how I treat people. Like that's my life. That's my legacy. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that goes down to where I buy what I buy and, You know, I mean, we do way more shopping, shopping at like farmer's markets. I want to know who grew that. Yeah. Because I like business person to person, not person to entity.
1: That's so cool. Uh, So we got one quick segment. This is a good one today because, uh, because the segment is called coffee talk. (laughs) And (laughs) and, and the, and the segment is, you know, obviously like, okay, what are you drinking this morning? So let's just start there. So this is coffee talk with Jeff coffee, but uh, what's your, what's your beverage in the morning?
0: But my, my beverage in my hand right now is a little bit of Pete's coffee. Let's see which one is it. There it you go. is the uh, the Domingo yeah. medium roast. And I am I'm a stovetop espresso guy, and then I just make it into Americanos. So I do the stovetop espresso. Oh yeah, two shots in a cup, and then I add the hot water to it just to heat it. Yeah, and uh, you know that's it. That's we're it. we're in a shop. We, we we really don't have a coffee maker. in, no, in our no, it's good. R and D shop.
1: No, and I think the coffee makers are. I used to be a coffee maker person, but that's long gone. I like the the pour over, you know. I think it's just getting, you know, it's fresher.
0: I love that, but the time. Yeah. I just, I love it, but the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So for this Coffee Talk segment, the question is from from the listeners is, uh, and this is kind of a loaded question, but what is the best vice to use is a question that comes up a lot out there. People that are especially getting started, they're like, oh, my God, do I need a rotary vice? Like, do I need? So what what do you say to that? I mean, obviously, you're creating a vice, but.
0: My first answer would have been whiskey. I think that's definitely the best of the vices.
1: Oh, yeah. Um... yeah that's right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So that's the other one.
0: Uh, you know, it depends on what you tie and how you tie is what it really boils down to.
1: Yeah. What if we're tying brushes?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're tying for brushes, you need a full rotary. Like that is the best way, you know, for me, that's, that's the only way I'll tie, even if I'm working on some atoms or whatever. I mean, once, once Norm Norlander taught me how to use the, the, the Norvice, I, I just, I just wanted to improve on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. but, but I just, I love tying that way. So, um, it, again, if, if you're tying a bunch of little tiny flies, uh, you know, that, man, I love, it's so tough. I, I know just about everybody that makes a vice yeah. industry. So That's like, right. <laughs> I, I love them all. Like, and I have them all like Steve Abel. Yeah. I got to tell you. So I was, I was working, oh, yeah. I was working in the fly shop in Bend, Oregon. It was like the oldest fly shop in this little hut at the South end of town. It's called the river outfitters. And, um, that year, St- Abel, Steve Abel, back when he owned Abel, uh, had come out with a vise. And his vice was all copper and beautiful oh, yeah. brass and just just as gorgeous. But it was like $800, right? Like there wasn't anything that expensive in, yep. in 2000. And, you know, the shop had gotten a couple to, to sell. We, we'd become an Abel shop. And I sat down I started tying on it. And while I'm sitting there tying, I'm showing everybody how to use this thing and the cool features of it. And I apparently had sold more vices than anybody else in the country for Able that year. So Steve came up,
1: and he like
0: he loaded me up. But but he walked out to his car and he walked back in. He says, "I have something for you," and he handed me one of those Able vices that I still had it still on my desk. I still tie with it. You know, there's just there's something about a vice. it, It yeah. You know, uh, Jay Nicholas. I don't know if you've ever interviewed Jay Oh Yeah, Jay, yeah, Jay was on way back. Right? Yep. Jay's a longtime friend. Jay and I sat up till 2 o'clock one morning in his cabin down in Pacific City talking about all the features. What What's the, the six key features that a vice has to have? And really it came back down to, well, I don't know, am I tying little trout flies or am I tying big saltwater flies? And, you know, am, yeah. I, am I focused on streamers? For me, because I'm a streamer guy, It's it's got to have rotary function to it at a minimum and then and then I really want it balanced. I don't want it flopping around as I spin it. That might be a little indication of what's coming out in my dice.
1: There you go, perfect. A little, a little sneak peek, and uh, we <laughs> a little, did have
0: we did have Jay Nicholas
1: on way back at episode number three, literally at the start. Oh, Jay was perfect. on it, and we that was one where I was actually in person at his uh, at his cabin, which was one of the few I, don't, I did. A so few, many
0: of us have stayed at that cabin.
1: You'll love this, exactly. Yeah, you'll love this, Jeff. So we had that was number three, episode um, seven. Well, I think we had Jim Teenie on early as well, but um, recently I'm just giving a heads up because this is was just out. Um, Frank Moore. Who I know you're you're uh, probably aware of, um, he passed away, you know, this last year, and uh, we're re-releasing yeah. that episode I did with Frank and Jeannie uh, for episode oh, 300 wow. just to celebrate, you know, the the person he was, and so that's yeah. that's a pretty, uh, you know, I mean, obviously a, a sad a sad thing to happen, but I think the 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 impact you're talking today, we didn't talk a lot about conservation. Well, we kind of talked about conservation, we actually on on some bit. of the chemicals, yeah, but uh, Frank was a big you know, conservation, uh, he got the North yeah. Claw essentially protected or parts of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of places to dig into this stuff, right? I mean, this is amazing. So, you know, this is one, Jeff, that we could probably keep talking here for quite a while. I'm, I'm going to respect your time and let you get out of here. Give me a little, and just on that conservation, uh, note there, the, this is kind of the conservation minute, uh, section. Um, sure. What other than say Steelhead, which we've covered, and you know some of the some areas down in kind of the southeast and Key West? What else would you highlight as a conservation either topic or, or have we talked about it today? If you say something really important to you,
0: hmm. well, you know, for me, it comes back to our manufacturing processes, right? Yeah. Like that's where we've we've chosen to focus on that, and not just go to another country and destroy their waters so that our stays pristine. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's, that's a challenge we should all be addressing is making sure that, you know, our environmental impact, uh, I'll give you another, for example, in, in each of our factories, we have a zero waste policy. So if I ship over a bunch of materials, for example, and let's say that you cut all the fly fur and you're left with a strip of backing, right? Yeah. Well, that backing goes down the street. It gets shredded and used to stuff mattresses in in Nepal and India. Huh? So Everything that we do, if we send something over in a bag, um, that bag is used to repackage it and sending it back. So we're not leaving garbage where we go. It's just evaluating each step of each of your practices yeah. that, it, that it comes down to. And I, I think that that's a place that we have the most impact. You know, a guy going out for a day with a lure that might bleed a little bit into the water, that's not the big problem.
1: That's a. Well, and if somebody wanted to connect, I mean, we got a couple of things. If somebody wanted to connect with you more on kind of the business side to learn about this and connect, they could do that. Um, well, let, let's do that. So where would be, the, if somebody wanted to connect you to either for this to learn more about this fair trade and the good stuff you're doing here, and then also how could we find out what you guys have coming and connect with the new products you have coming this year?
0: Yeah, that'd be great. So zag.fish, that's Z-A-G.fish is our new corporate site and, and each of the brands and products that we're working on, we, we tell about there. And, um, if you're interested in trying some of these products out, go to anglers trading mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a great place to buy them, but you know, Orvis go, go to your local Orvis, Uh, go to fish USA, go, you know, to your local fly shop. If they're not carrying our stuff yet, shame them. Tell them why in the world aren't you carrying this yet? There you go. Don't, (laughs) don't don't shame them. But you know, like, uh, anyway, so I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and just give us one heads up because you've talked about a lot of stuff. Have we, anything else in the next year you want to give a, a, a sneak peek or a heads up on or have we covered it all today?
0: Yeah, well, these these uh these tackle boxes that we're coming out with, I I, the fly guys are gonna I think gonna really like. Little it should be out. I I don't know if we're gonna make it by IFTD with our first shipment back, but we'll probably have some samples there for people to look and touch. We're doing our best to have that back. I mean, supply chains have been tricky lately. But uh, you know, uh, imagine a composite carbon fiber over foam so a 300 pound guy could stand on a on a box and then you could pick it up and toss it and it'll float uh, in the water
1: and it's super light
0: and it's just super light but what's you know the other key thing is it's how kind of to systematize so if I've got a bunch of dry flies I can use it's got magnets on these inserts and you drop in an insert and you there's your that uh, that insert can be loaded with your flies for the fall river that day you know
1: so you switch it up so you gotta uh, you gotta
0: So uh, you can just drop in gotcha yeah, the idea of buying one box, but it's totally based on what I'm doing. Another one, you know, insert's got little uh, little nymph cups with magnets in the bottom. So you literally just drop your nymphs down in there, close the box, and you're on your way. And, uh, you know, we've got one that's got a flask and a cigar tube in, in oh. the insert. So just really just kind of plain. There you go. Like, you know, that box that's in my pocket, what else does it need? That's it. <laughs> and back to the whiskey. And, uh,
1: you mentioned the whiskey with the mice. So we got the, and what, is your, what is your whiskey again? What's your whiskey of choice? Ooh, whiskey of choice. I've
0: always said if I got dropped on an island and could only take one beverage with me, it would probably be Red Breast Cask Strength, an Irish whiskey. Oh, there you, you go. If you haven't tried it, go try it. All
1: right, good. We'll we'll, uh, we'll try to uh, connect to that, maybe find a link, and uh, and we'll put links to everything we talked about today in the show notes. And, uh, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's been great, Jeff. Um, we'll send, like you said, zag.fish. Uh, we'll send everybody out there. And, uh, yeah, man, this has been fun. We've been a, a number of years coming to put this together. So I appreciate you spending some time today and sharing all the good stuff you have going. And, yeah, looking forward to keeping in touch with
0: everything. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks, Dave. Just so proud of everything you've done with the show, the integrity of it. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. You're doing a real service for our industry.
1: So there you go. Every link, every show note, and everything else we talked about today will be over at wetflyswing.com slash 306, 306, and you can even get a transcript of this show. Every word we're speaking is there. You'll want to subscribe if you can. Right now, if you're not already subscribed, go to your app of choice down there. Click that subscribe button. If it's on Apple Podcasts, there's a little plus, I think a little plus button. Click that. Next week, if you're subscribed, you are going to get this episode delivered to your inbox. We're going uh, back. Oh, no, we're not going back. uh, We're going back with uh, with Lamps and uh, Nicks here, but we talk about a Golden Dorado trip. A really amazing trip, and this thing is more than just fishing. And uh, we got a giveaway that goes right along with that. So if you stay tuned, next week you're going to find out about a really cool giveaway, a chance to jump in and have a shot at Heading Down South. Heading Down South. Just want to thank you, uh, as always, for uh, being a subscriber, uh, sharing this episode, or leaving a review. Uh, or if you have any uh, comments you want to check in with me, if you have a story, a guest, or a topic you want me to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. Dave at Wetfly Swing. You can send me an email anytime. And uh, check in with me on social, Wetfly Swing. Give me a uh, lightning bolt uh, a microphone emoji. That's always, I love seeing that. So hope you have a good day. And hope you check out the next show and see you maybe on the water. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.